For the past few weeks, we've been looking into John chapter 12, and we've developed this theme laid out by Jesus at verse 32, when he says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And we've said that the cross of Christ is what makes Christianity so attractive. What does it mean, for example, for the Son of God to send His only Son, Jesus, to the world for this purpose, to die for sinners like you and me? And when we ask those questions, and when we answer those questions, we really align ourselves with what's been the discovery of every society since the resurrection and the Gospels were written. And that question before the world is, what will you do with Jesus? As C.S. Lewis said, either Jesus is a liar, he is a lunatic, or he is the Lord. And so I ask you the question, how do you understand Jesus? Listen to John chapter 12. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now here's our verse. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done many signs, still they didn't believe. Now, Mississippi State, of course, we understand what it means for us to be an attractive city. Our city proudly announces, for example, that we are Mississippi's college town. And indeed, there are so many things that attract people too our city. For example, we, have, um, we say that we wouldn't exist unless we had the college in our town. And of course, if you live here, then you know that there's a difference between uh, July Starkville and August Starkville. And there's even a difference between September Starkville, where the tents start to go up, and that 25,000 people turns into 40,000 people because all of a sudden people now come for the first state game. And let me just say that I love the regular rhythm of our city. But gathering for events, it's a way of life for us here in Mississippi, and we wouldn't have it any other way. We would not have it any other way. I'm pre-recording this message for you because we've decided as a church that we're going to come out and gather together. We're going to come and gather, and hopefully that gathering is going to be so that people can hear the message and the message that we're going to proclaim is Christ crucified. And all over the world, the faithful, they remove all excuses and come together on Easter. There might be things that come up through the year, but this time of the year is special because the whole world of Christians puts this day at the top of our list. 
And it's customary in the South, especially, to go out and buy new outfits for this gathering. And afterwards, of course, we'll break away and go back to our smaller family units to have the Easter ham. Well, maybe you have a roast. Maybe we'll even let the kids out in the yard to search for those Easter eggs. That is, uh, unless that crazy uncle didn't make them impossible to find. But what I want to do is I want us to look at the details of our text for just a moment. And I want us to understand this moment where Jesus speaks of his death. And here's what he says. Remember, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. So you see, there's a few surprising facts about this text. It's facts that when we consider them, they leave us sort of scratching our heads and saying, huh, what does this mean? Why would he say that? And I believe that moments like this in our text today are God pressing us to consider, what does it mean for God to love us? Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean for God to love us? Well, first, it means that Jesus loves us enough to die for us. Jesus loves us enough to die for us. You see, those religious leaders who opposed him, they recognized the appeal of Jesus. They said just a they said the whole world has gone after him. And then there's a group of Greeks who represent the whole world. They come saying, remember, they say, sir, we would see Jesus. Jesus then tells them what it means to be his follower. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And now he says something equally as startling at verse 27. He says, now is my soul troubled. What did it mean for Jesus? the eternal Son of the Father, to have a troubled soul. Has your soul ever been troubled? Have you ever felt the darkness pressing in around you? So is Jesus. He came as we are. The only difference between Him and us is that He has perfect obedience. Just last chapter, remember, in chapter 11, right before Jesus raises Lazarus, His friend, He stands at the tomb and He weeps. Jesus wept, John tells us. But what does it mean for God to weep? You see, we get to ask those questions because of Jesus. And the answer the Bible gives us over and over again is all the same. He does all that he does for you, for us, because he loves us. Jesus loves you. You remember what he told Nicodemus? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The Apostle John then tells us plainly in the next verse, and you know it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the surprising part of this whole endeavor is that Jesus ran to the cross. He says this was His purpose for coming. That's an amazing statement. He came to die. He didn't run from the cross. He ran to it. And we know the reason he did, because he loves us. He was willing to die so that you could have life forever with him where he is, in a place that he has prepared for you. He loves you, friend. Don't resist his love. Embrace his love. Come to him. Surrender to him. And find out what it means to be fully alive. But there's a second truth that I want to point to you from this passage. Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. And then there's this voice that booms from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I'll do it again. But the people dismiss the voice as thunder. They're so calloused and hard-hearted. Not even a voice from heaven is good enough for them. 
which leads us to say our second truth. And here it is, listen. Jesus loves us even though we're stubborn. And let's just be honest. All of us are more stubborn than we want to admit. We're not pliable. We're rigid. We're more like hardwood than softwood. We're really more like metal than clay. And we all would say, don't interrupt my pattern. And by the way, that applies to even those who don't have patterns because uh, your pattern is that you're carefree in nature and you don't want anyone to interrupt that. And you might be one here who's watching this and you say, well, if I hear a voice from heaven, then I'll believe in God. But if these people back before so many ideas had numbed their conscience, didn't believe, what hope do you have to believe if you hear a voice? You would be just as dismissive as they were. It must have been thunder, you might say. You would say that for one reason, because your heart's hard. You're stubborn, and you are more set in your ways than you realize. Friend, the Bible says, believe. Don't wait for a sign. Believe. You see, after some of the people didn't get it, he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And he says that right before he says our key verse at verse 32 about being lifted up and drawing all people to himself. You see, he was crucified because we were stubborn and rebellious. And yet he didn't let our resistance of him keep him from pursuing us. He didn't let the distance between us keep him from loving us. He willingly died in the middle of a world ready for judgment. He took the judgment that should have been mine because I'm the stubborn, I'm the unbelieving, I'm the sinful one. But the, but the surprising thing, as Paul tells another church, it's through the humility of the cross we came to see him as high and lifted up. This is what I mean. In a world that's ready for judgment, in a world where there's enough to trouble a soul, Jesus comes. He undergoes the sentence of death, bears the wrath of God, so that the world could experience newness of life. And here's what he says. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. Which leads us to our third thing to say. Jesus loves us. He loves us enough to show us the way. And remember this. He doesn't do it from a distance. He doesn't show us the way from a distance. He comes to where we are. He sees our darkness and he loves us anyway. He sees our sin and he shows us the way. He enters into our judgment. He comes to us when we're blind to open our eyes to show us the light. We are those who follow him. We are those who say, I once was blind. I once deserved judgment, but now I see and now I'm free. Now I walk with him on the path that he has prepared for me. And the way that he prepared it was through his indestructible life. And remember, he shows us the way. And remember, he shows us the way through the cross. A lifted up Jesus is the draw. A crucified, risen, ascended Jesus. A Jesus that is Lord is what makes Christianity so appealing. Are you drawn to Jesus? There's no Jesus to come to except a Jesus with nail-scarred hands. Remember the day that he appeared to his disciples after the cross? Three days later, he appeared to them with nail-scarred hands. They were the ones who put the nails in his hands, and yet he reaches out to them with those scars, and he says, Come to me. 
follow me. This same Jesus is alive and today is calling you. He is high and lifted up. He is Lord. He is risen. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's soon going to come again. But before he comes, he's calling you to him. Won't you come? Won't you receive him? He died for you. He lives for you. And I am so happy to tell you today, Jesus loves you.